I'm excited to get to today's guest, but first I wanna tell you about our sponsor, CTC Math. Our family uses and loves CTC Math. So if you're looking for a great online math curriculum, visit ctcmath.com to sign up for your free trial. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. I'm so glad you're with me today. We are playing some of our best of episodes because we are traveling right now and out on the road getting to meet many of you. It's so very exciting. So we hope that you will enjoy this episode. I'm sure it will bring you great encouragement. And also, if you are interested in supporting the ministry of Schoolhouse Rocked, go to schoolhouserocked.com and you'll see the Donate Here button. That's really a huge blessing to us to help support the travel and the ministry as we take Schoolhouse Rocked on the road. Now enjoy this best of episode of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast and welcome back to part two of our conversation with Tim Barton. This has been such a fun conversation so far. And man, Tim, you are you are <laughs> full of knowledge and you are on fire. I love talking to people like you. And I'm always amazed at how you can remember all the dates and the names and, and all the things that that you know. It's incredible. Um, so thank you for sharing with us today. If you guys missed part one on Monday, definitely go back and listen to that. Um, but we're going to jump into uh, this conversation, jump back into this conversation. And I know, Abby, you had a question for Tim. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm processing. I've, I've gotten a few questions from moms over the week. So kind of what I've heard you say in the last one, and it seems like every time every time this nation does kind of a nosedive, we've removed the Bible. You know, we, we've every time we remove the Bible from anything, we just, we tank as a nation. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us that if my people turn their heart back, I will heal their land. And that's, that's kind of where we're at is, as we were discussing before, the church itself doesn't know God's word. I mean, right. Christians themselves are not studying actual scriptures. What does the Bible say? We're not reading our Bibles. We're kind of going off of what our parents taught us and what from what their parents taught them, but we're not actually opening the word and studying. And it kind of goes the same with history. You know, we're kind of just believing whatever we're told with, which right now, we don't know what's truth because we're being told so many different things. And so right. what you guys do at Wall Builders, which is so awesome, is you go back to the actual documents. You actually go back. So it's not Tim's opinion versus someone else's opinion. It's what are the what do the documents actually say? And and I feel like there's this pendulum where either people don't want the Bible, they want nothing to do. We've mm -hmm. got this whole movement where people want nothing to do with Christianity, or we have a church who is they know God's word, but they're terrified to actually take God's word into the world. They're actually terrified sure. to take God's word and apply it into all these things that are happening right now because either it's too risky or what you said that hit me is we don't have critical thinkers. So we just read, do what we're told, and we don't think about how it applies. So what I've been thinking about lately and what a, a mom said to me the other day, she said, you know, I noticed that the left has an entire young generation coming up of really fiery, loud, bold, quote unquote, believers in their movement. But the conservatives, I mean, I just went to a Republican women's meeting the other day and I'm like, every the next youngest person was 20 years older than me. Wow. You know, it was 60 and up. Sure. And, sure. and we're, where are these young people? And so my question for you is, there is a difference between just teaching truth, teaching mm -hmm. the historical documents, teaching the Bible, and then actually equipping and discipling and raising up our kids to live it out, walk it out, 
apply it to what's happening, take it into the, to the square and, and living it. So I know that we were created for such a time as this, which yes. means we have to live differently now than we would have 40 years ago. So help a mom understand, okay, we're teaching history. We're teaching the Bible. We're homeschool moms. That's what we're doing. But how do I take it from on the pages of the Bible, on the pages of my history book and, and equip my children to now take it out, to make a difference and change what's happening? Okay. So that's such a loaded question. I know. I that's like why I have, you have for, a whole episode. <laughs> right. We, we could talk about this for hours. Um, I, I love the question. And one of the things, let me, let me start with, as you pointed out, we at Wall Builders will tell people all the time, hey, don't take our word for it. Right. But if we're telling you something happened historically, don't take our word for it. Go look it up for yourself. And this is actually a biblical principle. Mm -hmm. When the Apostle Paul was was in one of his missionary journeys, uh, he was in Berea and he was speaking to the Bereans. And at one point he was he was trying to explain to them about Jesus and who he was. And and you can imagine as this is happening, at that point there is no New Testament, right? Paul is actually helping write it, but there is no New Testament. And so Paul was explaining who Jesus was based on Old Testament prophecies. And what was happening is, for example, Paul might say, well, we know Isaiah prophesied this. And the Brians were like, hold up. Somebody go get the scroll of Isaiah. Yeah. Let's make sure. Fact and check. They bring this, right. They bring the scroll. Oh, okay. You may continue. Right. And Paul's like, and we know Joel told us, well, hang on. Somebody go get the scroll of Joel. Right. What, what's awesome about this is Paul praised the Berean people. And, and, and he pointed out, nobody's going to mislead them because they are always people who pursue truth. One of the things that, that I think every mom, right, every dad, every family member ought to be instilling in their kids is we need to be people who ask questions. When, when you look at the Gospels, okay, Jesus in the four Gospels, he asked more than 300 questions. Hmm. That's interesting, Right. <laughs> questions that Jesus very seldom answered questions. In fact, it's one of the fun things about like the Gospel of Luke, for example, where Luke was written to the Greeks and Jesus was this incredible scholar is what Luke was showing, right? The Greek people. He, Jesus was so smart because the Greeks were into, right, these major philosophy guys and he's showing Jesus. Yes, that is Jesus who he is. But but Jesus, this is where very famously Jesus would say, well, let me, let me answer your question by asking a question, right? You answer mine, I'll answer yours. And they were like, we don't know the answer. He says, well, then I'm not gonna answer your question. Jesus almost never answered a question, but he challenged people to think a lot. And mm -hmm. one of the things that, that as a Christian, there's a lot of accusations that we get. And as a Christian, when, when we are pursuing truth, I'm not scared of questions, not honest questions, right? I, I like honest questions because we are pursuing truth, looking for the answer. And, and the most basic questions we should always ask are, how do we know? right? What, what proof do we have? What is the source? And when we start asking basic questions, what we identify is that so many of the attacks that, that are happening in culture today, whether it be against Christianity, whether it be against America, when you start asking some pretty basic questions, you realize that a lot of these attacks do not hold up when there's very basic questions asked about them. And the reason is that a lot, of, a lot of the arguments, a lot of the accusations are based on someone's emotions, it's feelings, it's not necessarily facts or reality. Right. And, and when you start digging, and, and, and we need to do this honestly, right? Jesus was asking questions not just to show he was smarter than everybody else, he was challenging people to think. So for example, I, I spoke one time and I had a professor come up to me at, at the end of a talk and, and he, and actually it was on a Q&A, so open mic, but this professor said, I don't understand how you can say America is such a great nation because America's done more bad than we've ever done good. I said, really? Well, <laughs> help, help me understand. 
what are all of the bad things America's done, right? Because I, I want to make sure we're at least having the same conversation. So, right. so what is your argument? He said, well, because we had slavery in America. We didn't give women's rights until the 1900s. I said, okay, those are interesting that you chose those two arguments. I said, if your standard of measurement that makes what makes a nation bad, like here's my measurement, a nation is bad because of slavery. I said, can you name a nation in the history of the world that never had slaves? Right. Now, this is a professor, mind you, right? right? And this professor says, well, well, no. I said, right, because every nation in the history of the world at some point not only had slaves, at some point they also were enslaved. Slavery was a condition of humanity for the entire history of the world. Right, including God's own people. Right. Correct. <laughs> and, and not to discount the fact that, like, that still happens today. Yeah. There are 94 nations who are part of the UN who have still not passed laws to criminalize slavery. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so slavery is still a real thing. More than 40 million people enslaved today. I said, but, but big picture, right? Can you name a nation where white people fought a war against other white people? And at the end of the war, they freed all the black people. <laughs> that's right? a great like, one. <laughs> that, to my knowledge, that's only happened one time in the history of the world. Yeah. America paid a higher price in ending slavery. More than 600,000 Americans died that brought an end to slavery, right? No other nation has paid that high of a price in slavery. And for this professor, I also pointed out, now let's take women's rights for a second, right? Where do women have more freedoms or more rights than in America today? He said, well, I'm not talking about today. I said, well, I get you're not, but just humor me for a second. Where do women have more rights than in America today? He said, well, I guess nowhere. I said, here's the important question. What nation gave women those rights before America? And he couldn't give me a nation that gave women rights before America. And I said, here's the point is we are judging America on a standard by which we judge no other nation. And that's mm -hmm. why America seems so faulty to us because we're using a different standard of measurement than the rest of the world. When you judge America on a standard of the rest of the world, what you discover is America is not perfect, but America has made improvements faster than almost anywhere else in the world. When the rest of the world is still struggling with those same basic issues that we corrected sometimes hundreds of years ago in America. And this was the point is when you start asking people questions, it's, it's easy to bring accusation, mm -hmm. but, but people, moms need to understand, dads need to understand when someone brings accusation against the Bible, against Christianity, against Americans, it's not my job to prove they're wrong. The impetus is on the accuser. So it's their job to prove they are right. And by asking questions, we can discover, do they have viable sources? Do they have good information? Do they, are they presenting truth? Or maybe is it skewed or biased or they don't have the facts, but this is part of where even learning to ask questions is something that's a forgotten art, but it's something we definitely need to be teaching our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's something that's very frowned upon right now is don't ask questions, just go with the flow, do what you're told, you know, teach your kids what we tell you to teach them. Give, in fact, give us your children to teach them what we want them to learn. And, right. and I think as, as homeschool parents, we have an incredible opportunity to teach our kids to critical think, to ask questions, to, you know, to know that that's okay to ask questions. That I mean, it's biblical. It, like you gave examples, it's okay to ask questions. So, so go back to, go back to, so we can answer this mom's question. So then how do we take this truth, these questions that we're asking all of this, and how do we equip and disciple and lit, teach our kids to live out and walk these things? I mean, I think that's where a lot of parents are getting stuck. We're teaching them the word, we're teaching them history. But we need to make an impact on the world. And it feels like it feels like the other side is getting ahead. Those kids are louder. They're bolder, even though they don't know what they're talking about. Sure. They're out there changing things. So, so how much I know we have to take a break in just a moment. How much time do I have before the break? Just yeah, so actually, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and answer that. Mm -hmm. 
Remember the songs that you learned as a little child? They're still deep in your memory and on the tip of your tongue, and they'll last a lifetime. Imagine if those precious songs had taught you God's Word. Using the classical model, BibleQuest provides both a plan and ready-to-use tools like scripture memory songs, games, and activities to make lifelong teaching of the Bible easy and effective. Simply pick a few tools for the week, practice them together, and enjoy how easy and effective teaching God's Word can be. Try four weeks free at BibleQuestClassical.com forward slash rocked. That's R-O-C-K-E-D. Do you want to encourage independent learning in your students? Do you have multiple students with individual learning styles? Homeschooling is an excellent opportunity to customize your child's education. BJU Press is here to help. For each academic subject, BJU Press has created video lessons that will lead your child through each of their courses. Your child will experience thorough lesson content administered by experienced and engaging teachers who will walk your child through the assignments so they know what to expect. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com to see what courses are available for your student. Okay, go to the contest. Right, okay, okay, okay. to the contest. To the contest. Yeah, get to it, we're dying. Here it is. We are gonna give away five DVDs. Here's all you have to do to enter the contest. Leave a review for the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Go to schoolhouserocked.com slash summer, and it will take you to just a very simple form to fill out. And then from that, from all of our responses that we get, we will choose five winners. So that's it. Schoolhouserocked.com slash summer. Leave a review for the podcast. We would love that. If you would do that, just take a few minutes. It's super, super simple to do. Welcome back. And um, I'm just going to rephrase the question that we asked right before we went to break um, and then give Tim some time to answer it. So the question is, We know the importance of teaching God's word. We know the importance of teaching history. We know the importance of teaching our kids to be critical thinkers and to ask questions, to lead them to truth, to to actual truth, to real truth, not someone's, you know, perception of truth. So now, now what do we do, Tim, as parents? How do we then go from that place to equipping and discipling our kids to actually walk it out and live it out and apply it and and make a difference in the world? how does that go from on paper to practical living? Yeah, so so one of the things I think is very interesting, even kind of in this idea of we 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 know one side of the culture is very loud and vocal, right. and, and we see a lot of times as Christians, we're just kind of cautious, right? Some, sometimes we're fearful, and that's we're not supposed to walk in fear, right? We should know those verses. If not, do a quick search, like look them up, find them. <laughs> we don't walk in fear. God has given us a spirit of fear. Check. But with that being said, there, there was some interesting polling that came out just a year or two ago. And it identified that people that self-identify as liberals are much more willing to tell you their opinion on a issue. Those same people were then polled to see how much they knew about the issues. And what the pollers discovered is they knew very little about the issues they were very willing to tell you about. (laughs) They then polled self-identified conservatives. And conservatives were much more reticent to tell you about an issue unless they felt like they had a good grasp of the issue because they didn't want to give bad information. So here's what's interesting. You have one group of people who are willing to tell you something, even if it's utter nonsense, and they don't know what they're talking about. And one group of people who might have a very good grasp of the situation, but if they don't think it's a good enough grasp, then they don't want to talk about the issue. This is part of what we see in culture is that there's there's a lot of 
hesitation, timidity, even now with cancel culture, this could be a real legitimate fear for some people because mm-hmm. I don't want to get fired. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my friends. Right? I, maybe I, I'm, I'm going to lose my scholarships in college, whatever the case might be. These are real issues we're dealing with right now. But it strikes me that, you know, the Bible tells us that we need to be ready to give an account for the hope that is within us, that, that we need to be able to give a sensible answer. Paul said it was for the defense of the gospel that I was put here. The word defense it was apologia, where we get the word apologetics. Paul said, I was put here to be able to defend and explain, right, why we believe what we believe, why we have the hope that we have. Yeah. And, and what we see so often in Christianity is, is we, we have a lot of ministries, a lot of pastors, even a lot of really good-hearted parents who want their kids to know who Jesus is, maybe go to youth group, right? Experience God, but we don't do a very good job with apologetics. Mm-hmm. And, and the apologetics is what gives us confidence that we can defend our faith. Right. And, and the reason that maybe we don't see the same level of boldness is because there's probably a lot of people who don't know, big picture, most Christians don't know what they believe, much less do they know why they believe it. For most young people, they're probably further behind than where their parents are, right? So for most parents listening right now, if we said, okay, so how do you defend the virgin birth? Oh, well, uh, I I don't know, (laughs) right? Well, if if we don't know that, what's going to happen for your kid when they go to college? And some professor says, how stupid is that? Mm -hmm. Because we know, right, that this sperm and egg come together and, and virgins, right? That doesn't happen. And so what, God, you know? These accusations are going to come. We know that most kids who go to college identifying as Christian have rejected their faith before they leave college because of the hostility against Christianity. Because even though maybe they grew up loving Jesus, they knew who God is and who Jesus is, but, but they don't know how to defend their faith. This is part of what we have to help our kids do in culture is know how to defend their faith. And big picture, there's some really great organizations out there helping young people. There's Individuals like Charlie Kirk, who has Turning Point USA, right? You have Michael Knowles and Ben Shapiro. There's a lot of younger conservative voices Mm -hmm. who are really helping equip young people with Mm -hmm. the understanding of America and the Constitution and politics. And and, and some people like a Charlie Kirk, who is an outspoken Christian, or, or Michael Knowles, who's an outspoken Catholic. There are some people who will talk about the element of faith, helping kids have the, the foundation of faith as well. But there are some really great resources out there to help young people in that. With that, also, next kind of big picture is one of the cool things about the younger generation, the way God made young people, is they want to be a part of something that has a lasting impact. They want to be a part of a movement, of a mission. And and right now, the biggest movements and missions that, that young people are seeing are things like Black Lives Matter, 1619 Project, or critical race theory, and and things that are ultimately very destructive to the core of our society. But because their heart is, I want to make a difference, I want to be part of a movement, there's a lot of really good-hearted young people who've just been given very bad information in a lot of respects. But the reason this matters is because young people are very reachable, especially relationally. Mm -hmm. And young people more than... Gen Z, millennial generation, more than any other generations in American history, they are actually craving relationships. They would rather spend time, this is statistically polling true, they would rather spend time with their bosses than with their peers at work. Well, well, that's unique, right? Mm-hmm. Most people, they want to hang out with their own friends. I don't know. For younger generations, they actually crave relationship from people who are older. Now, it could be because 
over half of millennials and Gen Z come from broken homes. Mm -hmm. And so, right, they're craving maybe that mom and dad relationship they didn't have and it was different, it was missing. But the point is, there's never been a generation that was more prepped for us to be able to go and make disciples, wow. right? What Jesus said, go and invest in the next generation of relationship. And so what you will discover is there's a lot of really good hearted kids who have bad ideology, bad philosophy, but through relationship, we can then begin to ask them honest questions in pursuit of truth. Once they realize that they don't have the answers they thought they had, they might be much more open to hearing truth once they know that what they believe doesn't make sense and doesn't work, but this all happens through relationship. To me, there's a lot of hope for this generation, but it only happens when we get involved in discipleship and in relationship. Yeah, amen. Well, you know, this kind of comes back full circle to uh, discipleship, which we talk about a lot on the podcast. And we didn't mention this earlier, and I don't think you did either, Tim, but you were homeschooled growing up. Yes. And so you are the product of a, a, and so you were kind of back in those, you know, maybe not the early, early pioneer days, but you really were part of those pioneer homeschool families. Um, and your parents raised you up to know what you believe, to know why you believe it. They set that foundation for you of apologetics. They taught that to you. And so now you have a solid foundation and you're going on to teach that to your family as well. Yeah. So I would love really quickly, we have a couple minutes left um, for, for this episode. Really quickly, can you talk about your life growing up being homeschooled and how that impacted you and how that is now impacting your own family? Yeah, I, I was very blessed and honored growing up that when, when my dad started traveling and speaking and telling a lot of the story of the Christian heritage of the nation, he was going all over the U.S. all year long, and he didn't want the family to be apart. So we said, hey, let's, we want to be a family, right? God made a family unit, mom and dad and kids. And so we got a 15-passenger van, and we literally drove to all the states of America, where right? yeah. with the exception of Hawaii, we flew there. Everywhere else we drove. By the time I was 13, I'd been to all 50 states at least once. Wow. Um, we just drove everywhere. And, and so actually we didn't call it homeschooling. We called it van schooling because we kind of nice. lived in a van. <laughs> but it, it, it was this amazing thing that, you know, as a kid, sometimes you have a perception of what you think life should be. And if your life doesn't always meet that perception, you can think you're missing out, even though your life might be way better just because you need to adjust your expectations. Mm-hmm. For me, it was amazing being able to be in a place where there's mom and dad, we're getting to see the nation, but bigger picture, there was a protective bubble that my parents were able to help us growing up, learning about faith, learning about God, pursuing that relationship, pursuing truth. But also they gave us a lot of freedom and flexibility to stand on our own feet, to to blaze our own path in some regard that my parents never said, you have to do this or be this. They said, you need to pray and you need to pursue God. And then you need to go where God leads you. And once as a parent, when you know that your kids know God and love God, and they're seeking to hear from God and be led by God, It's a lot easier to say, you know what, I'm going to bless that. And you just go after God and let God lead you. Um, And I never thought I'd be back working with my dad. You know, years ago, I thought I was going to go into many different arenas. But but now I'm very blessed that God has led me full circle back. I can work with my dad. So now it's, it's awesome where I am, get to do what I do. And I certainly am grateful for the homeschooling foundation that my parents laid for us. Yeah, I, I, love, I that. love that. And when as I listen to you and your dad, because I love to listen to the Wall Builders podcast, it kind of brings this all together that it, it's very clear that your dad didn't use the Bible as just, it it was more than a compilation of stories. Mm -hmm. It was something that he taught you was God's word as a handbook to navigate through these times. And it's very clear. And I think that's, that's what we as homeschool parents can take away is, is the Bible is, 
it isn't just a compilation of stories. I mean, it is God's living, breathing word as a handbook given to us to teach and train our children in righteousness, to navigate these insane times and to make an impact on the world around them. So it's it's really awesome to hear you and your dad and, and to be inspired by that as we teach and train our own children. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. We're out of time, um, but we're going to be back tomorrow to finish this conversation. Tim, thank you again so much for your time today um, and just for your encouragement. If you guys want to know more about Tim, you can find him at wallbuilderslive.com or is it wallbuilders.com? I feel like it's both. It's both. Wallbuilders Live okay. is, our, is our radio show. Wallbuilders.com is our normal website. Okay. Sounds great. We'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. We will be back with you tomorrow. See you then. What we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.